Welcome back to the Chelsea Spot Podcast. I am here with Dan back again for another review pod and we're also going to preview Chelsea's upcoming game against Newcastle on Monday evening. How are you doing, Dan? Yeah, good, mate. Good to be back. Good uh, result in the FA Cup the other day uh, onto the quarterfinals of that one. We uh, could, get a, could get a trophy this season. Yeah, definitely. Had a big chance last season in the final, but, you know, I want to go that one step further, obviously. You said we got the good result, but the performance was not necessarily befitting that, was it? No, nah, I think um, I, maybe it was a little bit harsh, but during the game, well, immediately after the game, I described it as the worst display of the season. I think it was like actually a really, really poor performance. Um, you could, um, and I think you mentioned that the games against Leicester and Man City were, were worse. And yeah, you can agree with that because, you know, we, we lost those games. However, I think if you put it in the context that Barnsley are a mid-table championship team, um, I think that that performance we didn't get a hold of the game at all. Barnes, I, I think Barnes deserved to win the game. In all honesty, uh, they had chances. Kepper actually made a few saves, which was a surprise. But he, in a way, he actually said he actually won the game with those. Um, and then at halftime, uh, Tuchel tried to change it up a bit um, and switch to a four at the back because in the first half he had like Emerson at left centre back, um, a lot of rotation. So try yeah. to switch to the four at the back, get a few more men in midfield, but. I don't think it quite worked. So for me, yeah, the, the performance was poor. And I think Orlando, a big part of it was the a few of the individuals in the attack. Mm, right. So I think the obvious ones to say that you're you're kind of quoting there. For me, Hakim Ziyech was the worst player on the pitch. I thought he was... Because it, obviously the two were him and Pulisic, but if you want to compare the display of the two, Pulisic was just a bit kind of invisible. He didn't really do much, but when he did get the ball, it's not like he kind of gave it away every single time like Ziyech did. It seemed like, you know, it's like the, the polar opposite of that, that phrase, everything he touched turned to gold. It's like everything yeah. he touched turned to rubbish. <laughs> and, you know, every time he got the ball, he was giving it away, sloppy first touches. I know, to be fair, he has been... Um, slightly out in the cold hasn't played much under Thomas Tuchel yet I think he had a small injury they were trying to limit his minutes because he had played a lot in the previous however many weeks whatever um, so I guess to some degree it's understandable but to have Tino Andrian come on as a 19 year old making his fifth Chelsea appearance and be you know 10 times better and than this kind of 40 million signing that's not a great sign is it no, I think um, you're right. Hakim Ziyech was probably the worst player on the pitch. Um, he did put one or two decent balls in, which we know he's capable of. I think Rudiger put one of them wide, um, but that's about it. And he nutmegged one guy in the middle of the park. But I mean, other than that, he was just, every time he touched the ball, it was just getting passed to Barnsley players. They were pressing him a lot, but still, he's known as a player who can kind of get his way out of those situations and he wasn't doing it. And yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. Pulisic was just um, very anonymous. Um, I, I, I said, I'm going to give... Ziyech a little bit more leeway on this one because like you mentioned he has been injured recently he's been in and out of the side he's had a lot of niggly injuries and it is his first season um, obviously in the Premier League and he's been he's not played that much if you actually think about it this season he's he's, he's not, not got many minutes under his belt Pulisic I say didn't have 
much of the ball because uh, he just wasn't getting it. However, what I did want to say on Pulisic is, first, he's clearly a very talented player and he's only 22 years old, so we can't be too harsh on him. We've got to remember he's, he's a young player. He's younger than the likes of Tammy. Um, he's the same sort of age group as Mason Mount. But this is his second season at Chelsea now, so he's not in his first season like the likes of Havertz and Werner and so on. It is his second season now, and we did show, um, we did see last season that he's capable of putting up performances in the Premier League. However, in the restart, he had a little purple patch of form of about eight, nine, ten games. And other than that, really, in his Chelsea career, hasn't been that impressive. Obviously, he got that uh, hat-trick against Burnley early on, which is great. Um, but this season, he's played, I think, 21 games. Um, and you can't judge him solely off this, but he's got two goals and one assist. That, that's, that's the kind of numbers where if William yeah. or Pedro are putting that up, people will be all over him. People will be all over him. For sure, and that and the goals come in in a four 0 win against Krasnodar. I believe his other goal was against Leeds, where we were fairly comfortable. I think it might have been the third goal. Um, it was in the last minute. That yeah, yeah, it was the last goal um, late in that game, and then the assist came against Burnley uh, recently in the two 0 So they've not really been goal contributions that have even affected the result, if that makes sense. Maybe that's a bit harsh, but mm. um, he's really he's the been really poor this season. When you talk about this kind, I'm always a bit kind of confused by the by the idea of a purple patch because, you know, you could say you could paint it in a negative light, like you're doing. You could say, oh, you know, he's only performed this well for a certain amount of time and he's never replicated it. Mm. But on the other hand, you know, he's shown what he's capable of doing. You know, he's clearly, you know, able to perform to these levels. So what? I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that he's not the main man in the attack anymore, or maybe maybe it's the fact that he's just kind of not taking it as seriously. For some reason, that that doesn't seem to be right to me. But what what are the reasons for him not performing so well? I, obviously, it's can't just say oh it's because of this. But any ideas? Yeah, well, I mean, for his whole Chelsea career, he obviously has had injury problems. But um, so so that's one factor most people would turn to, I think, to describe as maybe what's been holding him back because he's been a little bit stop-start. However, if you actually look at it this season, he's not been out injured since November. And now it's February, so that's mm. four months. He's not been out injured. He has been playing. He was starting ahead of Hudson-Odoi for a long period of time for that, mainly under Lampard, obviously. Um, and then since Tuchel's come in, he's, he's had his minutes limited a little bit more, which again, so against Barnsley, again, um, you can, you've got to bear that in mind that he hasn't been playing that much recently. And, and before the game, actually, it's worth mentioning that Tuchel actually said not just in regards to Pulisic and Ziyech, but uh, you know the likes of Billy Gilmore and Emerson and those guys as well. He actually said, "Look, these guys were barely played, so I'm not actually expecting them to do too much." He, he did actually yeah. say that before the game. He didn't want to say that they're going to have masterclasses because he knew they were. And he was saying he was also saying after the game that he's not going to be too harsh on them because you know they were always going to be kind of lacking in cohesion and 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 all of that. So it is understandable to a degree. But I think with Pulisic, Ziyech, I think this was just kind of one game. You know, we've already discussed the potential reasoning. He was off it. But Pulisic, he's been like this all season. Um, and I don't want to seem... Yeah, I think he's a brilliant player. And on his day, he can, you know, cause havoc to any defence in the world. Um, but I just... I just miss the kind of consistency that you have with Hudson-Odoi and it sounds crazy because Hudson-Odoi is 20 years old but he is so much more consistent and that kind of um, paints a picture in my head that this consistency is not actually 
the most difficult thing to achieve. Obviously, you're not going to be like Jordan Henderson, 7, 8 out of 10 every single week, week in, week out. Mm. But I just, maybe it's not consistently good, but, you know, regularly good rather than kind of good one in five games. Yeah, I think, again, maybe I was a little bit harsh, but I said um, recently that Christian Pulisic, I think, is putting a below a 5 out of 10 in 80% of his performances this season. But and mm. think about it, I think that's pretty much true. And yeah, but like you say, Hudson Adoy has definitely found consistency. And the fact, yeah, like you say, the fact he's he's twenty and he's been out of the team most of the season and is coming in and performing now shows that it can't be that difficult to achieve. Uh, obviously, it's easier said than done. But I think the thing, the key difference is Hudson Adoy. I think one has more in his arsenal in terms of going forward, and two, I don't think he's someone who gets so frustrated like if he doesn't get a goal in the match. Whereas I think Pulisic, his main asset is his kind of balance, his centre of gravity, his dribbling, that kind of thing. So if that isn't working, if he's kind of getting kicked out of the game or running down dead ends, he's not got the same sort of quality in passing or uh, that sort yeah. of playmaking ability that Hudson Adoy has. So he can't turn to something else. Whereas Adoy, if uh, he can't beat a man in the game for whatever reason, or if they keep putting three men on him and he can't, he can't dribble down the line. He'll come inside and sort of act, you know, sit sit between the lines and that to the playmaker. He can do that to a top level as well and, and spray passes out wide. Um, finding he, he loves the diagonal ball, so I don't think Pulisic is capable of it. So maybe it's just that he, if his one thing isn't working, he can't do it. Because what I've noticed with him in these performances is that he is kind of just getting the ball, trying to dribble for as many people as he can, and then falling over at the end of it and they clear it. And I think he's getting frustrated and he's just trying to impress. Whereas maybe yeah. he wants to go back to the basics and just start playing some one-twos, pass it, keep the ball, and then move off the ball and try and get into the box rather than trying to dribble his way into the box. And I was going to say that because I think one of the things that when Chelsea signed him from Dortmund, you know, obviously not that many Chelsea fans were saying, oh, I watched loads of Christian Pulisic at Dortmund. But the main thing that people were excited about were, was his kind of movement off the ball and ghosting into the box to f- finish getting on the end of crosses. And we didn't really see loads of that. One thing I have noted from him is he's very deceptively good in the air. He's very, very good at headers. So if he can get into the box more rather than kind of always looking to receive defeat and then dribble, then I think that could, you know... It's amazing what a goal or two can do for your confidence, can do for just everything um, in your whole game. So if he if he just kind of focuses on that, that, I'm not saying, you know, go all out to get a goal like we sometimes, like it sometimes seems like with Timo Werner, you know, against Sheffield United, he was just shooting from wherever. Um, I don't blame him because he needs a goal. That's fair enough. But I'm not saying Pulisic should be doing that. I'm just saying... He shouldn't be kind of looking to receive defeat and dribble every single time because that is really what it seems like. Yeah, and lastly, as well, some people say, don't want to be too harsh. So, you know, you give him a bit more time. You know, he, he's still, like we mentioned earlier, still only 22, but shout out to Callum Hudson Adoy because as a 20 year old to be coming into the team, and quite frankly, he's our best winger at the minute. Um, yeah, and actually, I had a look earlier. He's actually got five goals, four assists this season. And again, that's not something that I think you should judge a player off solely. But that is quite impressive numbers for someone who, again, has been in and out of the team. I think he's played roughly about twelve hundred minutes this season. So it works out as doing maths in my head, but sort of a goal or assist every one hundred and forty, one hundred and fifty minutes, so less than two games. So that's pretty impressive from Callum. And uh, well, I, I was actually, I was having a look at the more um, advanced stats and numbers yesterday and if you 
look at the stuff like uh, penalty box entries um, uh, in terms of uh, dribbles and, and passes and you look at uh, distance progressed in, in terms of dribbles um, and progressive passes and progressive passes received as well he is right there up the top for you know per 90 minutes in in the Premier League not just in the Chelsea squad so if you want to talk kind of those numbers and creative numbers he is one of the best in the league so yeah he's I think you said he's our our best uh, winger at the moment but I would go as far to say he's arguably our best player at the moment behind Mason Mount and that brings me on nicely to, to my the next thing I want to talk about, which was, it is crazy that we spend 200, 250 million in the summer. We bring in this, uh, uh, you know, arguably world-class manager and we're still so heavily reliant on an academy product and look completely toothless without him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's almost quite embarrassing <laughs> yeah. Uh, because, yeah, Mason Mount, what a player he is. I mean, the fact that, we're, we're talking about Mason Mount in a game he wasn't even in the squad against Barnsley. Yeah. He was tweeting. He was live tweeting the game. He was doing he it was at home. Yeah, he was commentating, and um, you could tell how much we missed him. We just, like I said earlier, we couldn't get a hold of the game at all. There was no real press. There was no control. There wasn't really any impetus going forward from yeah Pulisic, who was a sixty million pound player, Ziyech, a forty million pound player, um, and then the guys in midfield couldn't really do much. So it just shows how much we miss him. And for a guy who's just turned twenty two. And somehow some people still don't rate him, although weirdly it's only a certain section of Chelsea fans who don't rate him. The media seem to all <laughs> love him. Neutral fans all seem to love him. Most, 99% of Chelsea fans, for good reason, love him. But yeah, he's so good. And he's got to start every week um, at the moment. So um, yeah, shout out to Mason Mount as well. Um, and again, you, you'll probably want to mention this. So we've just given a love into to Mount, who wasn't even in the squad, and Callum Hudson-Odoi. But obviously, Reese James and Tammy were the ones that linked up for the goal. So yet again, yeah. it's it's the academy boys linking up to to drag this team and, to a win. And the pass before to Reese James was a brilliant one from Billy Gilmore as well. Yeah, exactly. So I actually tweeted during the game, and this tweet got a bit of traction. I just said, you know that that kind of tweet format where it's like someone handshakes someone else, and then you put what what their what traits they share. So I had. Frank Lampard handshake Thomas Tuchel and then academy graduates bailing them out in a poor display. And, you know, everybody was saying, now Frank Lampard's gone. Oh, he's not going to play the academy lads. You know, I would go as far to say that under Frank Lampard, I don't think Mason Mount would be getting a rest in this Barnsley game. And, you know, if anything, that shows how that shows his importance to the team. Um, you know, it's just as much under Thomas Tuchel. Um, you've got Billy Gilmore would not... I'm sure not. I'm sorry. I'm not sure if Billy Gilmore would have been playing in this game. I'm sure that Frank Lampard wouldn't have bought, brought Tino Andrin on at 1-0 up in the 50th minute or 60th minute or whatever it was. So, you know, if anything, I'm not trying to say that Frank Lampard was bad for the youth or anything, but, you know, yeah. it's a comparison that you can make and, you know, there's not a stark difference at all. Yeah, I think so, I agree with that. And just sorry, and um, one point to raise is that I was quite apprehensive with um, Thomas Tuchel with the kids as well. Although thinking about it, one point to make is that I think any manager who came into this touch side right now would be stupid to not play him because they're quite frankly Absolutely. our best players. They're, yeah. they're, they and it's not even that they're just performing because they care. They 
quite clearly on ability basis are some of our best players. Like Tammy mm. Abraham is one of the best strikers in the league. Reese James is definitely one of the best right backs in the league. You could argue, well, I'd say he's definitely been better than Trent this season overall. Um, I think only a couple of right backs, maybe someone like James Justin, who just by the way has unfortunately tore his ACL. So, so it's, so it's horrible to see. Yeah. So he was nailed on for the England squad, but we'll probably talk about that in the future pod, maybe towards the Euros or something. But yeah, you know, these kids are some of our best players. So I think whoever came in was going to ha- going to play them because why wouldn't you? And also, I was doing a piece on um, the youngster Chelsea I linked to recently, uh, Kays Ruiz Attil, uh, yesterday. And I was looking just at PSG and stuff under Thomas Tuchel and actually he does seem to be pretty happy to play kids. Uh, that, that player there has only played seven games for PSG all under Tuchel and hasn't played since he left and made seven appearances this season um, under Tuchel and he gave him his debut. So he clearly is willing to bring them on, like you say, with Andrew as well. Lampard probably wouldn't have done that. We saw against Morecambe early in the season. There was no um, no kids kind of on the bench for that one. And, you know, we yeah. were falling up in that game and it would have been a great opportunity for them to come on. So, yeah, I agree. Um, but moving forward, as long as it continues, then I'm sure we'll perform. Uh, but, yeah, again, yeah, like you say, we need Lacobham to drag us to a result. But that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, if anything... Yeah, on the contrary, it's not a bad thing. It's There's nothing I love more about Chelsea at the moment. So, you know, um, just one last thing on the academy. I do want to show a little bit more appreciation to Tammy Abraham because I think he is so, so disrespected, um, mainly by the Chelsea fan base, but I think also in the general media, people don't really realise how good he is. You know, if you look at some of the some of the numbers... I've been seeing some stuff on Twitter recently, you know. Tammy Abraham is the top in the Premier League, the top player in the Premier League for non-penalty expected goals per 90 minutes played. He's he's number one. He has 0.51 non-penalty expected goals per 90 minutes played. That means he is expected to score a goal every two matches, disregarding penalties. Yes, he's not played that much, but, you know, that does suggest that he deserves to play more, right? Um, and it's just, it's just um, disappointing to see that he doesn't get the he deserves that. That's the real point I want to make. In if you look in terms of general play, holding it up, linking up with um, teammates, most importantly, stretching the opposition defence. Tammy is levels above Olivier Giroud and in my opinion quite a bit better than Timo Werner at that at this stage as well so I think I'm in well I hope that Thomas Tuchel agrees with me and although we haven't seen that much of Tammy under him so far I think that's more a result of there just not having been that many games and Tuchel being quite desperate to get Werner firing because you know that that's what the whole media narrative is and all of these kind of things. So I don't think Tuchel will disrespect him. Like I'm saying a lot of people do, but I just hope that, you know, when, when he does start banging in those goals, the, the apology from these disrespecters is (laughs) as loud as their, their disrespect in the first place. was. Yeah. I I think on Tammy, just lastly, before we move on from, from that one, um, I, the the reason why certain people don't like him is because he doesn't tick their aesthetic box in that he's a bit big 
doesn't look so, I guess, elegant on the ball like maybe Andreas Christensen does. So he's a world-class centre-back because he looks tidy on the ball. But <laughs> And Tammy doesn't really do that. But if you actually look at his effectiveness as a striker, it's pretty much as good as anybody's. Like you say, his expected goals uh, is really good. And and, and also his link-up plays great. We've seen it multiple times in the season. He's linked up really well with both Werner and Havertz. Them two almost rely on him to actually perform. And they're these world-class talents. So I also um, want to point out I also want to point out something that I didn't even realise until I just saw it in an Instagram post yesterday. Tammy is actually our top scorer in all competitions this season. Despite having only played, I think, about 1,300 minutes or so out of about 2,000 possible. So it's it's crazy. I I didn't really realise that. Um, And, you know, obviously he was a goal scorer by by a mile, a top goal scorer by a mile last season. and somehow still got disrespected. Um, and, you know, that was despite only starting about 25 games. Um, he scored 15 but, league goals last season. In his first Premier, yeah. proper Premier I know he had a season at Swansea, but in his first proper Premier League season at Chelsea, he scored 15 league goals in like yeah. 30 games or 28 games or something. He's, he's, he's a proper striker. He's, he's, he scores goals. But, yeah, I don't know. People want more. Maybe they, they want him to change the colour of his skin. No, Maybe. You know, not. I'm just saying, if he was white, would he be getting this kind of, you know, abuse? I'm not so sure. But anyway, let's move forward. Um, another main talking point from the match was it was the second half was the first time we saw a back four under Thomas Tuchel, and it was actually quite similar to the system that we saw employed for the majority of the time under Frank Lampard. It was kind of like a, a four-three-three with one sitting midfielder in Angolo Kante and, and two more advanced players at the first it was uh, Billy Gilmore and um, Hakim Ziyech then Andrin came on for Ziyech um, and you know it was all shuffled around Kovacic came on towards the end as well but I think that is not set in stone because you know I'm not sure if he would you know there's there are small differences between this kind of I guess you can call it a 4-1-4-1 and a four-two-three-one. It just depends, you know, whether you have Billy Gilmore in in the more advanced number eight position, or kind of sitting slightly deeper next to the other number six. Um, and you know, obviously that player can be um, Mateo Kovacic or Angolo Kante. Um, so yeah, there are options, um, and this is not set in stone by any means. And I, I, I presume it was very kind of reactive to the opposition, but. It is the first time we've seen it under Tuchel and I wonder what you think in terms of whether we should stick with that going forward or you prefer the 3-4-3 or 3-4-2-1, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think with formations, I don't really like to say we should stick with one or the other because I think they're very flexible dependent on opponent and situation like we've mentioned. So Yeah, I agree. It, yeah, so it's, it's key to say I don't think it... Like we saw under previous managers, if we just have one system, like we did under Mauricio Sarri, for a whole season, a 4-3-3 with Jorginho at the base and Kante and Kovacic ahead of him, then under certain opposition or in certain circumstances, it's just not going to work. You've got to have multiple mm. plans. And I think the good thing about Tuchel is that he is very flexible in that. They change the system a lot. Now, I personally prefer the four at the back to the three at the back system. Um, the three at back has got his results and it has and, and Hudson had always played well at wing back. However, like we mentioned earlier, he's our best attacker and definitely arguably our best player full stop. I think he may as well be starting in one of the more free roles up top. Um 
than at wing back. So I think you just put Reese James at wing back and, and push Cal forward if we are going to do that. I don't have a problem with that system, although I think I it would be better if we can sign a, a new centre back in the summer, maybe one that's a bit more suited to that left side. I think Rudiger's actually played very well. I think he gets unfair criticism. He did score a stupid own goal against Sheffield, however. For the other 89 minutes of that game, he was actually really, really good. Um, but someone on that left side uh, of, of the centre-back position, I think, would would suit. Uh, ironically, Fikayo Tamori, he's yeah. right-footed, but he, he is the definition of five-star weak foot. He, he, you know, he'd be great over there. No, I agree. I think that is one slight problem with the back three, um, is that we don't really have adequate cover for Tony Rudiger. Should he get injured or a suspension or whatever, you know, yes, you could play Andreas Christensen on the right, technically, uh, sorry, on the left, but, you know, his best position is clearly in the middle of that three. Um, You could play Emerson or Alonso there, but, you know, that's really kind of stretching it, isn't it? That's a death trap, yeah. um, I think, yeah, that was, yeah, obviously, I've already said it on the pod and I've tweeted it loads of times, but it was kind of incomprehensibly stupid of the club to loan out Tamori like one week yeah. before a new manager came in but anyway um, we'll, we'll see where that leads next season obviously we've just seen in recent days the news that um, Dio Upamecano who has been quite heavily linked to Chelsea will be going to Bayern Munich in the summer mm. so that that one's off the table um, there are Looks reports like that Chelsea switched their for. focus yeah, to Ibrahima Kanate, who I think he's actually probably a better player than Upamecano, but he does have, you know, serious injury issues that are not to be frowned at. You know, you really need to take a clear look at that um, and evaluate whether you actually want to spend that much money on someone who may not play that many games. Um, but yeah, back to the original point on, on the formation. Personally, I actually view a 3-4-3 or a 3-4-2-1 when executed well. I think that's my favourite formation. I absolutely love it. Um, Back to the Antonio Conte days when we were flying, but just in general, Chelsea Academy tend to play a a version of 3-4-3, the the under-18s and the lower ages and even sometimes the under-23s. And they're very, very good at coaching it. Joe Edwards and and Jody Morris, when he was still at the club, club are are very, very adept at that. Um, And, you know, I have... A, a big affinity to that formation just kind of based on nostalgia really but I think it's super effective however I don't think it will work going forward with this Chelsea squad and that's not for any tactical reasons or you know um, any kind of reasons based on results or or uh, performances it's purely kind of logistical based on the players that we have there is no way we are going to keep all our attackers happy when there's essentially only two spots for both number 10s and wingers in this formation. So if you want to call it a 3-4-2-1, this is the two. You have, with, it seems like Mason Mount is going to be only viewed as a number 10. He's not going to be um, considered for the uh, for the double pivot in this in this system because Thomas Tuchel was saying how you know Billy Gilmore was number four behind the three of Kovacic and Golo. Kante and Jorginho so it seems like Mount or at least for the time being won't be considered as, as a candidate for the double pivot um, so you've got Mount Pulisic Ziyech Havertz um, Hudson-Odoi to an extent although he can play at wing back um, I think there's one more even Werner Werner yeah that's it 
So that's six players. Well, I guess Werner and Hudson-Odoi are kind of half. So let's just say five players-ish who you who can only be considered for two positions in the starting eleven, And that is simply not going to work going forward. You know, these are all kind of very top-level players. Um, some of them were bought for big bucks. Some of them are the some of the biggest talents in, in the world. Um, so, yeah, it's not going to work um, unless Thomas and Tuchel has all, some squad whispering yeah. magic. Yeah, I'm sorry, Orlando. And as we've established, Mason Mount basically has to start, which actually basically yeah. leaves one position for four That's guys. That's right. So, you know... Like I agree with you on that one, which is why I do really like the three at the back as a system. But for our squad, I, I do think the four at the back is actually going to be better for us. Um, I don't really like the four-three-three, the one at the base with our squad either, because it will be Georgie at the base. One. Yeah, we don't really have yeah. a base DM, and we're not going to sign Declan Rice anymore, which is unfortunate. And we're not even really linked to any DMs massively at the minute. Uh, today, they've been saying a striker is the main priority. I'm. Pretty sure we will be signing a number six type defensive midfielder in in the summer. Or th- there is certainly uh, a kind of list of a certain amount of players that the club are, are looking at as targets. They haven't really made any moves yet. Otherwise, we probably would have heard about it uh, in the mainstream media. But th- I think that probably will be happening. I agree with you. I don't think it looks like Declan Rice will be happening anymore because that was a move more being driven by by Frank Lampard than the board. But there are lots and lots of players who the board have recommended as kind of, you know, potential candidates. Um, and the club, the club wants to buy them regardless of the manager. Um, because if you look at the squad, there is a very clear kind of Declan Rice-sized gaping hole. Uh, I don't know why the board don't want Declan Rice uh, for that hole because he would be the perfect fit for this squad. But, you know... Um, someone like um, I'll just say Dennis Zakaria of Borussia Mönchengladbach um, would would be a good player to kind of step in and you know can play that number six role can even play as a third centre back or number eight if need be so um, that's that's um, where we stand in terms of squads and, and I think the squad should heavily I'm a firm believer that your squad should heavily influence your tactics and formation you should never kind of be a disciple to one sort of style of play um i don't really don't like managers who are like that um <coughs> but never mind um, <laughs> yeah i said nothing forget it um anyway so i do think that this squad is very well suited to a back three but basically the bottom line is we have to play Mason Mount in the midfield too. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Yeah, I was going to say, my ideal, if we were going to play the three um, at the back system, would be Mount and Kante as your midfield too, which means you yeah. basically just completely drop Kovacic and Jorginho, which is clearly what Tuchel wants. to. Who, they're, they're who he wants to play. But you play Mount and uh, Kante as your midfield too, and then, yeah, you're off your, your two behind the striker um, for forward. That means there's an extra position freed up for one of Havertz, Ziyech, Adoy, um, Pulisic, whoever it is, um, to sit behind the striker because of Mount sitting deeper. So that's what I do, and I think Mount's very good in that position as well. So they've got to maybe learn to control each other a little bit, Mount and Kante, because they obviously both like to press quite high up, and you just and you don't want to leave a giant hole in the midfield with just two wing backs either side. And bear in mind how high up the wing backs are as well. You kind of find the the centre backs very exposed, possibly, 
But if one, if they can kind of learn to one at a time go and one stay, Kante and Mount, then I think that would. Uh... It's also, it's also worth pointing out that you know Kante is getting on a bit. He's still a brilliant player, but even Thomas Tuchel was saying himself in a recent press conference, they will have to manage his minutes. He's not going to be able to start every game. Um, so, you know, that's why you have a squad. And, you know, for all his flaws, Mateo Kovacic is certainly a very good squad player, um, you know, if not a kind of decent level starter. So, you know, he's obviously a good player to come in there, whether he's the right profile to sit next to Mason Mount, I'm not so sure. But, you know, it all depends on opposition and game state, etc., etc. You've got Billy Gilmore there who can do a job. You know, I personally would not be averse at all to um uh playing Reese James or in midfield um you know when there's a back three to offer him that protection I think th- that could work well so there there are certainly lots of options um and yeah we'll just <laughs> see which ones Thomas Suku decides to play with um but just lastly on the the FA Cup before we move on to the Newcastle preview we've got Sheffield United again in the next round despite it this time being at home, which is obviously a nice positive. Um, it's the quarterfinals. We have a, a decent chance to win the cup, don't we, Dan? Yeah, I mean, like we mentioned earlier, we got to the final last year, went one up, and then uh, kind of bottled it a little bit, which is unfortunate. would have been great to see us lift the trophy uh, under Frank Lampard, which obviously ended up never happening. But um, yeah, we've got a good chance. Sheffield, firstly, We've got to beat Sheffield first. I said this before the Barnsley game when they did the drive. And, oh, we've got Sheffield next. I went, no, if we beat Barnsley, we've got Sheffield next. And as we proved in the 90 minutes there, Barnsley put on a display. So we were quite lucky to go through. But um, yeah, we've got to, you know, we'd obviously be favourites for that one. Um, Sheffield are playing better recently. However, you know, you'd still expect us to win uh, that one fairly comfortably, but we'd have to see. And then you've got the likes of, I think, Man City are still in there. Um, I think did did Wolves beat Leicester? I believe. Um, no, uh, Leicester won in in the in the last minute. Oh, Ian Acho scored. Ian Acho scored. Yeah, yeah. So Leicester are in there as well. So there's still some tough opposition um, going into the last stages of that. So you know we've got to be careful. But if we can get to the final, you never know what happens. And maybe Thomas Tuchel, within a few months of being at the club, can get a bit of silverware. I mean, at the end of the season, if we do manage to get fourth and win the FA Cup. I mean, that's a really, really good job by uh, by Thomas Dushul, so you yeah. can't really complain. But um, yeah, it'll be good to see, but we'll have to, got a lot of work to do in that competition, yeah. Last word on the Barnsley game, just something I want to kind of say, doesn't really require any discussion, but I really think that um, we need to give some credit to Barnsley and to Valerian Ishmael and their players. I thought Callum Britton was absolutely superb on the day um, and a few others as well. Because I see a lot in the media and social media, you know, the the obvious typical cliches. Barnsley wanted it more. Um, you know, it's not easy to go up to Barnsley. Oh, their pitch isn't good. It's um, it's a hard game. No, I'm sorry. They're a very, very well-coached team who set out with a very, very good game plan. And they probably deserve to win the game based on how they executed it. So credit to Valerian Ishmael and credit to, to Barnsley Football Club for, for putting up a really good display. Yeah, definitely. All right. So we're going to move on to the preview of the upcoming Newcastle game. Obviously, that's on Monday uh, Monday evening, really stupidly at the same time as uh, Chelsea under 23s v Derby. I think they like the second half overlaps with the, with the first half of one of the others. I'm not quite sure how that all 
fits in together. I haven't worked it out yet, but I believe the Chelsea under 23 game will be shown on on Derby's website. You just have to sign up, but you don't have to pay. Uh, so yeah, they they tend to show all their games, which is great. Uh, so you know that could be a nice um, preamble to this Newcastle game. Watch the first half of that. Um, but yeah. Um, this lineup is extremely difficult to predict because we made a truckload of changes for Barnsley. Not that many players played well, but a lot of them playing not so well was not their own individual fault as such. So how how does this starting eleven shape up in your eyes, Dan? Uh, well, firstly, I love on Monday Night Football, so I'm looking forward to this one. Um, mm. I think it's going to be a tough game. Newcastle... I've picked up really well actually recently under Steve Bruce. They're getting some good results, and me and you have always rated Steve Bruce, so that's good to see. Bit of appreciation for for the king um, of football, Steve Bruce. But <laughs> I think um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see our lineup. I think um, if I had to guess, I think he will stick with the three at the back. Although I believe it will be Reese James at right wing back, um, based on the fact that Reese James is very good. And therefore, needs to play. Although he could put him at right centre back, but I don't think that it will do that. I think uh, it will be recent right wing back. I do think Hudson Odoi will start um, on the left. Uh, I might be going kind of with my heart rather than head there because that's what I want to see. But yeah, I think that's what we should do. We've kind of already touched on the system and stuff, so I won't go too deeply into that. But Newcastle are looking dangerous on the break at the minute. Miguel Almoron is a really weird player because he's kind of really, really good and really, really terrible at the same time. Um, <laughs> He's like quick, but he just kind of puts his head down and runs and just runs past everyone and then gets to the edge of the box and shoots wide or passes it to a Chelsea, well, an opposition player. But sometimes finds the corner. So you've got to be careful with Newcastle on the break. They've still not got like a prolific striker, although Callum Wilson is well, doing that. Callum Wilson, he, he's yeah. out for six weeks now. So I was going to say he's in, he's injured. So it's possibly against someone like Jolly although... in front. Having said that, that does coincide with the um, long-awaited return of Alan Saint-Maximin. He just started his first game last week uh, since being out for ages after suffering from, you know, the long, the long-term effects of coronavirus. So um, he's back, um, and he is in in my eyes, and I think in everybody else's eyes as well. To be honest, we're all in agreement that he's Newcastle's best player by a mile. You know he should definitely play. Be playing at a higher level, and I'd be surprised if he doesn't get signed this summer. Yeah, at maximum, is a really dangerous player. He's like very unique um, in that he's he's amazing dribbler, but at the same time, he never looks like he's got his balance. But then never falls over. He just manages to get through a whole team, and then he yeah. does actually have decent final product as well. He's not just one of these guys who runs down uh, dead ends. He he does have final product. He can get an assist. He can pop up with a goal. Um, he's re- he's one of the most dangerous players on the break. He's one of the most exciting players to watch in the league. So yeah, with him being back, that's definitely a concern for Chelsea. And and also we've got our own injury problems. Thiago Silva is not going to be back to this, as far as mm. we're aware. Uh, Kai Havertz is, Kai Havertz. is still injured. Yeah, although I think we'll miss Thiago Silva more than Havertz. Obviously Havertz hasn't been firing this season, so I don't think I'm not too concerned about Havertz not being here. It would have been nice for him to be back, and he has been playing a bit better recently. But I think Thiago Silva is the big miss um, there because even though he's not, you know, he's a 36 year old man, he's not quick or anything. And, and Newcastle do have that pace in the attack, but his he doesn't really need his pace because he always finds himself in the right position. He knows where to place himself. Yeah. He knows when to drop. He knows when to press. So we we will miss him in the centre there. And the key point with that is that, like we mentioned earlier in the back three, we don't 
when Thiago Silva's out, I guess Christensen is the guy that you put in the middle of that. But then you've got issues with who you put to the right side of it and who you put to the left side of it. Well, that's so interesting, interesting because against Barnsley in the first half, we actually saw Christensen on the right side of the back three and Zuma in the middle, which is really not what I expected. So what that, I think, suggests is that um, Zuma is more trusted to play in the middle than on one of the sides. Which is not, I thought he would have been, you know, instant kind of backup to Cesar Azpilicueta in this kind of system. But, you know, for me, and I think um, this is widely, widely agreed that uh, Andreas Christensen's best position is in the middle of a back three. And he is very good there. Um, so I don't really know what Tuchel was doing there. Maybe it was more of an experiment just to see, you know, I think, I think it is true that... Um, even now, I don't know what this was, his fourth, fifth game, it's still a bit of, the games are still kind of information gathering exercises for Thomas Tuchel. You know, he's still kind of finding out more about his players. Um, so I don't think you could take too much away from, from that, especially as it was only one half, you know, against, you know, albeit a very good Barnsley side. Um, so I think... Christensen and Rudiger are nailed on starters and you probably have to say as peers as well the back three kind of pricks itself doesn't it yeah yeah as Plaquette will obviously start he was rested against Barnsley and he's the captain he's starting on that right side of the centre-backs and he's perfect for that role he's one of the best defenders in the league and in the world in that role I believe we saw it under um, Antonio Conte he was arguably the best centre-back in the Premier League that season and it's a bit crazy as Plaquette has been a stable and actually more of a stable, very good right back, left back, and centre back for this club. Signed for seven mm. million pound and it's gone on to the captain. So yeah, but yeah, he de- he definitely starts. Um, and yeah, you'd imagine it would be Christensen through the middle, unless he's got a headache. Still, he might have a headache, you know. Um, and he did take a big blow to the back of that, to be fair. <laughs> and Rudiger as the left side of centre back, which I don't have a big problem with. It's a shame to see Zuma not really getting minutes because I think he's a very good centre back, but he doesn't really suit the the Tuchel system, I guess. Um, and then I imagine it will be Jorginho Kovacic ahead of them. Although I think Ngoli Kante probably should be starting. I don't know what you think. Colin. For me, last I don't know how the setup might be different considering their um, their kind of recent uptick in form. But the last time we played Newcastle, it was probably the lowest block we faced all season. Um, we had I think we had Angolo Kante at the base, and we had Mount and Kovacic ahead of him. For me, I would not be playing three centre-backs against Newcastle. I think that is kind of pointless, considering it will be mainly... If we if we go by what it was last game, it'll be mainly kind of a, an attack v defence game. Um, and obviously, you, you be careful, you be aware for, for the counter-attacks, like you said, Dan. But I think, for me, you want to get your full-backs pushing on. Instead of having three defenders, you want to have one kind of deep midfield orchestrator. For me, that's Angolo Kante, or even if Thomas Tuchel is feeling very, very special, then it could be Billy Gilmore. Um, not Jorginho, please, but you know that is probably the most likely yeah. outcome. I would have two centre-backs and a deep-line midfielder who kind of uh, sit deep to protect on, on, on the defensive transition um, rather than three centre-backs because, you know, the... the um, the number six can kind of be more brave in possession and circulate the ball better. Um, I'd have the fullback pushing on 
and and coming inside and, and the number nine um you know it's not rocket science it's not too complicated but for me you just want to have as many kind of attacking players on the pitch to, to break down this Newcastle side because we know Steve Bruce's sides will be stubborn. They'll be well-organised defensively um, unless they try and take the game to us. But, you know, it, I don't think that would be a very clever move by Newcastle either because, you know, it's very likely that we will end up playing a back three. And then if they try to take the game to us, we'll just, you know, wreck them on the counter-attack. So, you know, there has to be a balance, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said. However, uh, Newcastle recently, you've probably seen him appointed Graham Jones as the assistant manager and they've actually mm. been playing this kind of diamond system, which I believe Steve Bruce has kind of credited Graham Jones for. Um, now, Steve Bruce's sides are always going to be solid defensively and he's the manager. So that's I think that is obviously still the priority for Newcastle, especially coming against Chelsea. Um, they're going to come with the intention of nil-nil is a good result, obviously. However, they are offering a little bit more going forward now. They're not just trying to do two box of four and ping it forward um, like they kind of have been. They, they are a little bit more creative now. Uh, and with someone like um, we mentioned, Alan St. Maximum coming back, um, that adds to that. So we do want to be wary of their attacking quality. Um, I think we'll dominate possession. Um, and as a result, I agree, we, we don't need three centre-backs. I, I would do a back four. Um, but yeah, we, we do need to be careful and just consider that Newcastle are a decent side. They've been getting results recently and yeah, we, we don't want to just go out there with the idea of, right, let's just have all of the ball, throw everything forward and, and win. Um, you know, if we can get a professional controlled 2-0, I think that would be a good result. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's that's what it was last time we played them, wasn't it? It was, yeah. um, uh can't remember who scored the first goal, but Tammy Abraham got the second one on the break. Um, and yeah, that, that was a, a pretty good game um and we should we should have had more Werner missed a few sitters um you know I'm not blaming him because he played in fact he played very very well that game I think that was his best performance of the season it, just playing slightly off Tammy Abraham um and that was actually going to be my next kind of uh question my next prompt even Olivier Giroud for me I would have Werner off Tammy because I think that is probably our best attacking combination and then uh, Hud, mm, but then you need Hudson Odoi and Mount you see it's difficult <laughs> you can't, maybe yeah and then you leave out Reese. so yeah it is difficult to get them all in for, for me yeah I, I agree I'd like to see Werner and Tammy start actually Werner's been playing very well I think everyone noticed how well he played um, in the last game against Sheffield uh, obviously mm. won the penalty and got an assist to Mount for the goal um, picked up the man of the match award as well, uh, which I think he, he did deserve it, but it was given to him a little bit for his sympathy because I don't necessarily think he was the best player on the he, he wasn't yeah. the best player on the pitch. I don't think. I think Mason Mount probably was the best player. But, I think Andreas Christensen was, was or Christensen, like... yeah. But but Timo Werner definitely did deserve recognition for his performance. So yeah, and and I think actually he's played well for the last four or five games now uh, without really getting on the score sheet. He's not been putting in poor performances as, as such. So I, I think he should start against um, Newcastle, but Tammy definitely deserves two as well. I think they should start together. Uh, maybe Werner off the left a little bit. But like you said, then it creates issues in the that we need Mason Mount, but then there's no way you can drop Hudson Adoy. But then ideally you'd want Rhys James playing. So I think this is why we need I to mean, four at the back. Callum did play 90 minutes against Barnsley, you know, in the freezing cold up north. So... Maybe that's an indicator, the fact that he wasn't subbed off, that he, he may 
be on the bench against Newcastle. I don't know. To be fair, Thomas Tuchel was saying in his press conference uh, the other day, they still have three training sessions before the game against Newcastle. There's still quite a while. So I think everybody should be fully recovered. You know, the only player who I maybe would say won't be fully recovered would have been Thiago Silva, were he fit. But, you know, obviously he's injured, but he probably wouldn't have played against Barnsley anyway. So that's that's a bit of a pointless thing to say. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, I think... For me, in order to get all the players I want on the pitch, and this was the point I was making earlier, really, you have to play a four at the back in order to get our best players on the pitch. It's very simple. For me, I love him, but there is no way Cesar Azpilicueta is among our best 11 football players, regardless of position. So just kind of shoehorning him in um, for the system, in my eyes, is not the best move. Um, in the same way that, you know, I love Marcus Alonso and I think he's brilliant in the right system, but just in very, very simple terms, he's not a better footballer than Ben Chilwell. So by all means, against certain teams, you play Marcus Alonso because he's very effective as a left wing back. Um, but you don't, there's no way you should be sticking with this formation. I think Newcastle are the best example of a team where you would kind of be thinking yeah I don't want to stick with this formation that's really pointless yeah I agree actually let me well, okay let's tell you what I'll do let me quickly rattle off a team then that I'd start and you can tell me what you right. change so I reckon we should go four two three one in this one this is kind of what I think we should do not what I think Tuchel will do okay yeah. so Mendy in goal Chilwell left back uh Rudiger Christensen centre back um although actually I would prefer Zuma but I would just say Rudiger Christensen because it will be Rudiger Christensen uh, Rhys James at right back Kante Kovacic pivot and then a kind of four of um, Werner Mount Hudson Adoy and Tammy Right I would be very similar but I would make it a 4-3-3 with Kante at the base um because, you know, you want him there kind of snuffing out counter-attacks, but you also want him circulating the ball. I thought he was brilliant at that last time we played Newcastle. Um, and I'd have Mason Mount as a number eight slightly ahead, and I'd... It won't happen, but in my opinion, if we're just going by what I'd do if I were manager, I would... The thing is, I say I would do this if I were manager. <laughs> You're I probably Gilmore. wouldn't. Yeah, but I probably wouldn't pick Billy Gilmore if I were manager because I'd have Jorginho knocking on my door saying, you know, I'm going to make all the other people in the dressing room unhappy. So, yeah. you know, to be fair, it doesn't really work like that. You can't just, even if Billy Gilmore is a bit better than Jorginho, you can't just start him randomly every game. But let's forget about that. Who cares? Um, <laughs> I will start Billy Gilmore. Um, and yeah. Like you said, I'd have a front three of uh, Natami and, and Callum Hudson-Odoi. I think I know there's a lot of debate over which side Hudson-Odoi is better on, left or right. To be honest, I, I really see as great on both sides. I also think he's great as a right wing back. Um, and for me, the most important thing is that he's getting minutes on the pitch. He was not getting no, he wasn't getting anywhere near as many minutes on the pitch as he was under Frank Lampard as he is now under uh, Tuchel. So I'm just kind of happy for that. It doesn't really matter where he plays as long as he's developing. On the right-hand side, he has the benefit of linking up with 
arguably our teams are the main creative outlet in Reese James. So that is a huge, you know, attacking, devastating, devastating attacking prospect. So I don't think there's any negative to him playing on the right. Maybe, yes, you want him to play on the left a bit more, but then you also have the problem that, you know, we have Timo Werner, who's never really going to play on the right. We have Christian Pulisic, who's arguably better on the left. So there are other variables, um, and I'm not too fussed which side he plays on for now. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the fact that he can kind of um, be deployed on the right better than the others just shows how good he is because he yeah, is capable of playing the positions more so, whereas you wouldn't put Christian Pulisic at right wing. But, but I think that's because Callum Hunstead always is a more rounded player than most, so he can do a job in either. And I've said it before, yeah. I think pretty much any winger at the top level can play on the left or right. They just have to slightly adapt Absolutely. the game. But if you're, if you're a winger in the Premier League, you've got to be able to play on both sides. I mean, I can play on both sides. It's it, you know, <laughs> If I'm on the right, yeah. I'm obviously going to be a bit more going down the line, whereas if on the left I'm going to cut in, that's just natural. But yeah, Callum Hudson can do both to great effect, so I'm not too worried which side he'll start on. Um, yeah, like you say, as long as he's getting minutes, which he is, and he's proving, proving good for them. So, yeah. All right, I think on that note, we'll wrap up the podcast. Anything final to say, Dan? Yeah, let's wrap it up. I think uh, we may as well end it on two predictions for this game, Orlando. All right. Um, I am going to say... Will Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea concede their first goal uh, from an opposition player? Um, <laughs> not from Rudy. <laughs> yeah, not from... Uh, I'm not sure, you know. I am going to say... No, I don't think we'll concede. Um, I think it's going to be 2-0 again. I unfortunately think it's going to be 0-0. Ooh. I think it's going to be a drab affair. Because I think right. Newcastle, although, like I said, they've been a bit better going forward recently, I think they're going with the mentality of a 0-0 is a good result. And I don't think we've looked that great going forward. We have looked good going forward, but I don't think we're killer going forward at the minute on the two show. Although I'm sure that'll See, come. See, for me, for me, I just feel like if it is a 0-0, then, you know, if it's a 0-0 game, it won't be a 0-0 result because our academy graduates will bail us out. That's true, actually. Yeah. Actually, I'll change my prediction based on that. I'm going 1-0 Chelsea and it'll okay. be... Like it, it will be either Callum Hudson-Odoi does something and feeds it to Tammy who scores. Uh, do you know what? No, I think it'll be one nil. I think Werner will get a goal. I think he'll get the winning goal, mm. which will be brilliant if he can score a winner in this game, like mm. a late winner. That would do the world of good for his confidence. But I agree, the build-up into that or the assist will be thanks to Lacobham. So yeah, one nil Chelsea. But we'll have to see on Monday. All right, cool. With that, we'll wrap up the pod. Thanks, Dan, for for joining me. Enjoyed that one. Yeah, no worries, mate. Enjoyed that. Good to be back on. All right. And and with that, um, just leaves me to say, please make sure to check us out on all our social media platforms, uh, Twitter and Instagram at the Chelsea Spot and our website with some lovely articles we've got. We've had a lot go up in in the recent um, week or so. As Dan was saying earlier, he's just done a really great scout report on Kaiser Rizatil, who's recently been linked with Chelsea. Uh, So you, you can check that out up on there. Uh, thechelseaspot.com should you wish to share this podcast with any of your friends which would be greatly appreciated it is available on all major podcasting platforms and if you are listening on a platform that enables you to write a review it would mean it would do the world of good for us to to receive a five star review from you on there that would be brilliant Um, and it does not take long at all so yeah really appreciate it appreciate it if you could do that Um, And with that, I will just say thank you for listening and we will see you next time.